Afternoon, Sarah. Oh, it's lovely to meet you this afternoon. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, definitely. So I'm Sarah Davenport and I um, am an owner and run Capstone Recruitment. We do everything real estate and construction um, on a perm and interim basis, mainly mainly UK. We've got a sister business in, in Australia. Um, we've got about 18 recruiters in the UK and we are opening up our Austin office in January um, with two hires and we're going to be growing to nearly 30 next year. Yeah. What about you? Wow, I was going to say, well, we're very similar, actually. So am I right in saying that you started your business in 2000? Um, no. Ah, OK. Apologies, <laughs> I've got that wrong. I assumed I, I looked through LinkedIn and obviously read, uh, read no, that incorrectly. So we, we be, we, I started my recruitment career in 2000. Right, OK. Um, approximately three and a half thousand years ago. And, <laughs> but but I've been, we've, been, we've been going for about 12 years. Excellent. Okay. So the reason I asked that, we actually set up a, so I'm the MD at Applause IT, and we did set up in 2000 and had a few years prior to that uh, working for another recruitment business. Um, we're a very similar size to yourselves. Um, we're 16 heads. Yep. Um, we concentrate though in a different sector. It's all purely IT and technical sales. Um, we're predominantly a permanent recruitment agency. We do a little bit of contingency. Um, we've actually doubled in size um, over the last 18 months. So we're making that step up from being an owner-managed boutique business to more of a sort of scaled-up business, if you like. Um, and although we perhaps aren't quite as lofty in our ambitions as yourself over the next 12 months, we're looking very much to consolidate in terms of the new guys that we've brought in this year and to take on some additional heads. So... I think we both agree it's just a really exciting time to be in recruitment at the moment. Um, definitely, definitely. And I think that that consolidation piece is so important because we've been at this size before, but then we, you know, then we scaled back a bit and for, ver for various reasons. So actually, a lot of our team now have been with us for less than a year. So for the first kind of part of next year, we're going to be consolidating as well for that get them bedded in, get them confident, get them, you know, um, delivering, and then we can scale thereafter. Yeah, it's very similar for ourselves, actually, as well. We, we've been in a fortunate situation where a lot of the guys have stayed with the business now for a good number of years. So they've actually started taking on more responsibility. And my role, I suppose, typical as many directors out there, has been to step away from doing recruitment to actually run the business, yeah. rather than worrying about generating business but you can only we've discovered that you can only do that when you've actually got a leadership team beneath you so in terms of obviously having a good number of juniors coming into the business we're very much expecting them to be almost like the next generation of guys for us but um but I'm interested because I guess this fits very much into that you know kind of conversation over the last sort of 12 to 18 months you know if we consider it as a I know COVID's still there but almost more as a sort of post-COVID um, kind of era. Um, what, what changes have you seen with, with your business? Well, a lot. I think the, what I think we've, we've experienced is that hybrid working really works for us and it works for our team. Um, you know, actually in COVID and when we were coming out of it, you know, our productivity, increased by over over 30 percent so 
But I think that really comes from hiring the right people and being very clear on what your values are, what your culture is, that everybody is genuinely bought into that. We definitely would, if we went into COVID five years before we did, we'd have been absolutely screwed, I think, because <laughs> we were like, I just thought yeah. values, why, why is that important? And, you know, that's somebody with a marketing degree. And I was like, you know, they just words you shove up on a wall. But actually, yeah. from speaking with the team, that that was more important than ever. So I was like, all oh, right, okay, well, let's see, let's see. And anyway, I got them to define it and what have you. So thankfully we'd had those embedded for a good 18 months before COVID hit. So, so I would say that hybrid working has been, you know, a huge change over the last 12 to 18 months, partly necessity, but then I think it's kind of become a business as usual for us. Mm -hmm. And I think that probably more than ever has been the war on talent for good recruiters. I would say that they're that they're the big things. What about you? What are, what are the well? I know we're going to talk a little bit about the war on talent, aren't we? A little bit later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think COVID. It's been a really interesting time for us because I think it's kind of almost given us that proverbial kick up the backside as a business. And what it's done is, I think if I look back honestly now, I think we spent a number of years almost treading water. And what I mean by that is we're generating revenue and we're actually, you know, we have a, a decent list of clients that come back and give us, you know, repeated work in the IT sector, but we weren't pushing on and, and kind of making that next step. Mm -hmm. I think what COVID did, we, we tried supporting everybody, obviously, through COVID, um, but we did have some changes during that time. Um, but what it's done is it's made us look very much introspectively about what works in recruitment and how we can actually create a business that is going to be kind of more future-proof for ourselves. Um, so in a way, we saw it, we embraced it as an opportunity to kind of make some big, big changes. And I think one of those big changes is that in the past, we were very reliant on having really good sales guys with great communication skills, great engagement skills. But what we didn't do is we didn't do the sort of data science behind it. You know, we didn't really look at our return on investment on a huge amount of products that we use. We didn't look at the analytics, for example, as to where our placements came from. We didn't do the engagement surveys with our customers to find out really what they wanted. We just assumed that we could deliver to them because we were good at finding candidates. Yeah. So I think the whole of the landscape um, has kind of changed in the last sort of 18 months. Um, and I think it's an appreciation of that change, which has actually put us on a really good footing to meet the challenges of the next sort of yeah. 12 to 18 months, um, which was probably really necessary. Um, what, what do you think is going to what do you think over the next 12 to 18 months then is going to be what, what do you think the main changes are going to be? looking like there on your, in yeah. your space but in general maybe oh wouldn't we love to know it'd be fantastic wouldn't it but I think what, what what we found is that when you take on for example a new tool for the business so uh I'll just give an example we're obviously not trying to plug any products here but for example we um we started using recruiter insider um it's a customer engagement oh, we're tool. about to in, we're about to embed that ah well I'll tell you what it is a game changer for your business. Brilliant. So in terms of actually being able to provide reports for what your customers want. So what we did was we defined who were our top customers. So maybe our top dozen customers. And our model very much now is that we haven't got a single point of failure. So they work with a variety of different consultants in a different technical skill set. So 
as an example, if they're looking for .NET guys, they'll deal with one person. If they're looking for PHP guys, they'll deal with somebody else, but yeah. within the business. Um, but what they really wanted was an engagement. And what stuff like Recruiter Insider does is it gives back information. So if that customer comes to us and says, so guys, we've seen 15 people for interview in the last three months. What are their perceptions of us and how we interview? We can actually provide PDF reports that say 95% of guys that actually come to your offices for an interview felt that they were really well sold to in terms of what you're actually doing as a business. Um, so it's a really interesting insight for them to be able to steer their recruitment processes um, to get best practice. So, But we also know that it's not an immediate overnight thing. Um, it's not one of these tools where you're suddenly going to revolutionize what you do it's very much an incrementally based thing you know you it's only as good as the information that comes out of it so it takes time and I think over the next 12 months we're going to have more and more data and the more data that we have is going to make it even better to embed ourselves within those business relationships I mean are you finding that your customers are looking for a slightly different thing um, at the moment? Yeah, and I think that when I was reflecting on kind of the ch the future and the changes that are going to be coming, I think it I think it's I think it's that recruitment is so much more than sales now, and that that people that clients and candidates view recruiters as so much more than recruiters. I. I think now that's not necessarily that they're putting us on a pedestal because I don't think that will ever happen. But I think that I think that they're valuing the the intel, the access to the market, the fact that we do this day in day out, and I think that we can really push on that more and more as 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 we move forward. So instead of just can I have a CV because I need you know I need to hire someone, yeah. it's very much more talk to me about the market. And I think that with a product like Recruiter Insider or, or others, or you know whether you're developing your own kind of data or intelligence, that is what customer that is what customers want because that's that's the value add stuff. And, and so I think that's going to become more and more important, especially as you know we're likely to be experiencing a softening. Mm -hmm. uh, of, of the market and I think that therefore that value add is, the value add is what's going to kind of make clients a bit more sticky you know they're going to stick with you a bit longer term I'd argue but do you feel though that with a softening of the market which we we hear you know from various different sources for companies of our size you know around sort of the 20 people mark it's actually a really good opportunity because, you know, my, my instinct is that we compete, you know, with some of the really big agencies out there, but actually they don't have this data. They don't have the consistency of knowing what they do and how they do it. They just have a good pool of consultants, but actually customers aren't enjoying the experience of working with them. And yet, if you're really small, you know, maybe three, four, five people, you probably just don't have the resources behind you even if you've got the value and the culture to be able to actually deliver into business. So I think it's a great opportunity for companies of our size that have got the background, they've got the, uh, you know, they've got the systems in place, they've got the investment, because I think like everything with all of these tools, they don't come cheap. So you still need to invest quite heavily in what you're using to make sure that you equip your consultants with the best chance of them actually fulfilling their potential. And I think that's going to only continue in the next 12 to 18 months. But do you not, do you see it as a, a great, you know, kind of opportunity? Oh, definitely. It's interesting actually, because so my two business partners who founded Capstone, I wasn't a founder. I joined them after, after a couple of years, they set up 
in the recession after Lehman Brothers collapse. They set up then. So whenever that we talk about a softening in the market, for them, they're like, oh, brilliant. Like, they're just like pigs in shit. Like, they absolutely love it. I'm more risk averse. I'm a bit like, uh, uh, uh. but so yeah. it's good because, you know, you've, you've got, you can balance that, that your kind of um, risk aversion strategy uh, um, markers there. But absolutely, I always see it, I always see it as an opportunity. And I think that the key with, you know, whether you're a small business or you're a biz, big business, and this was, I think, really telling in COVID, is it's all about how agile you are and how focused you are as a business and how you respond to whatever's thrown at you. Now, in COVID, obviously, everybody had to respond to something all at once. So mm-hmm. in a way, that was a great opportunity because you couldn't Google anything there. You couldn't Google, how do I get us out of this COVID shitstorm? <laughs> so... Um, so I definitely, I definitely see it as an opportunity and a really exciting one. And I see it as an opportunity to have deeper conversations with clients. And actually, one of I think one of the things that we were looking at that maybe we could go on to chat about, which is what, mm. what are the good recruiters doing now to maximise the moment? Because I think this leads nicely on to definitely. anybody can have data. So whether you're a huge business yeah. or a tiny business, Everybody can have data and different sorts of data and what have you. I think the key is what's making good recruiters brilliant is that yeah. they're interpreting and using their data. Now, by the way, we have not always done this. We've had Cube 19 and Bullhorn for years. Only now I'm like, shall we start using more than 2% of the system? Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. So, but I think that that's, that's going to make you great because actually you're making purely data-informed decisions as well as um, asking more questions than anybody else, mm-hmm. you know, as well as sticking to the rigour of your recruitment process and your values and all that sort of stuff. So I would argue that, um, that that's what the good recruiters need to do. Use your data, give it to a client. <laughs> Told you. I was going to say you're being ganged up on there, Sarah. I but, know. Uh... <laughs> on, let me just let the dog out. Sorry. No, not at the front door. Sorry. Told Don't you. worry. I'm going to have the same situation. Sure. Oh no, mine's disappeared. Actually. Yeah, yeah. He jumped yeah, off. She's come home, so she's disappeared. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100 percent because we we talk about these days. I talk about with my consultants that they've got to be part psychologist and part data scientist. And you're absolutely right when it comes to data. Data is valuable, but it's only valuable if you know the value of it. Otherwise, it's just superfluous. And, and, and I suppose a really good example, and we've seen a massive shift in the last six months, and I know this will continue, is that we've moved heavily away from a reliance on good advertising and job boards, partly because of cost, because total jobs um, are very, very expensive. In, yeah, exactly, in our, in our market. Um, So, again, it's useful having return on investments there to make informed decisions on whether Mm -hmm. to use them. But the data point is that basically a lot of my guys now are living within a very different sort of ecosystem. And it's a much more proactive LinkedIn driven ecosystem. So whereas before LinkedIn was always like, yeah, we look at it and we see who's doing what and we can see that somebody's moved from X to Y. Now we're actually using it as a tool, which is actually starting to really generate decent revenue and returns because the guys that have taken the time to understand how it works have been able to get a steal on their competitors when people are looking to move jobs. 
or if somebody has just moved and obviously left an opening at their previous place or vice versa. But it is interesting because in a perfect world, we'd have a team of just great consultants, wouldn't we all? We'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? But of course, it never really works like that. So what we're trying to do with data in particular is to make sure that we have brand ambassadors. So the guys that absolutely get it, we want them to be able to educate the rest of the business in terms of what it is that they're doing well with that data or that tool so that other people that aren't necessarily quite as productive still are at a level where they're ahead of the game of a lot of their competitors so, do so it you, raises the the bar yeah so do you so for example would you have like a linkedin recruiter specialist and then you'd have a recruiter insider specialist and then they upskill the rest of the team kind of um we would yeah and and what you tend to find is that you you can t- obviously because all of these are very report driven so you can see through the reports who's been using them who hasn't and in in every recruitment um business you're going to get people that do better or worse and often interestingly um it's a lot of the time it's the new generations of people coming through that are, I'm finding are actually better at using the tools than perhaps some of the old school guys who've been doing the same recruitment practices for years and years. I know they always say that people are resistant to change, but you can actually see that coming through now. And we're starting to now see the results of that as well in respect to the fact that the younger guys that have really taken on board all the sort of social, the market branding, the not just becoming an ambassador for the tool, but almost becoming an ambassador for their own brand as well. Yeah, yeah. So if we take you know, LinkedIn, for example, you know, we, some of our consultants now will start recording videos. You know, they're becoming much more humanized so yeah. people can actually put a face to the, the name when they're looking for work. They're commenting on other people's activities. You know, and it's, it's, it's difficult for somebody of my you know, kind of generation, I suppose, because we're not brought up to do this type of thing. Mm. But actually, you can see how it's working now. It's not just, you know, there's still the, the old school way of you still have to be very communicative. You still have to have great listening skills. You know, you still have to be very engaging to have success with your clients. But you almost need a little bit of an X factor, you know, which we never needed which is, you know, being on that social media platform. It's being available when people want you to be available mm. rather than when you want to be available. So it's, it's almost uh, it's, it's almost the non-recruitment stuff in your business. It's almost yeah. the non-recruitment stuff that's making your great recruiters great and setting them apart in that they're so, doing, it's, the, it's, you know, it's the extra, it's that extra activity. I, and it's appreciate, I think it's like everything. It's like, I think it's appreciating that people have different skills in different areas because I don't think you can put a label on a great recruiter. Mm. I think, you know, obviously you can look at you can look at revenue. But what we're finding, for example, now is um, is that for the first time in our history, we're having to be a lot more focused on things like KPIs. And in fact, it's harking back to something you said earlier, Sarah, in respect to the fact that because we offer um, remote working a couple of days a week as well, then obviously if you don't put in things like decent KPIs, you actually don't know how people are performing. And they may, you know, they may be letting themselves down if they're not actually fulfilling the needs of the business on the days that they're working from home. So I think we're starting to see that there's a different, slightly different set of skills that really good recruiters need to be successful than perhaps in the olden days, if you like. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Um, but and, 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 and I suppose the trick then as a business owner is understanding whether or not they're going to transform again, you know, into something else over the next sort of 18 months. 
you know, are there new ways that recruiters are going to or companies are going to require being worked with? Um, do they need, you know, sort of even more, you know, kind of um, consultative information about things like salary surveys? Do they need more information about how they're doing as a client when they're recruiting? So it's going to be an interesting time, I think. And I, I also, it's, it's an interesting one as well. I think as a, an agency, we also felt, you know, uh, foul, uh, foul, if you like, in the past of wanting to deal with everybody, work everything, work every vacancy, deal with every candidate. And I think as we've matured, and I'm, I'm wondering if the same has happened to yourself, I'm, we're almost training people now not to be frightened to turn work away. Um, I think people overwork things and work things that aren't actually going to be particularly suitable for them. Uh, is that um, a, a problem that you guys have? Well, I think I think what we've done is empower is, is empower our team. This is kind of twofold. First of all, we're very clear on a vision and we have a roadmap for the year that we communicate. I've literally just been signing it off this morning, actually, for, for next year, just the, the design of it. So we're very clear as to what the business what the business is going to look like in 12 months. And then everybody understands they've got a role to play in that. So whatever you set, you know, the, your average margin in simple terms, say you set your average margin at whatever it is, 25 percent. Then we've, we've got very clear rules of engagement that in order to hit that as a company, everybody's got a part to play in that. So then each team has their, you know, their milestones that they've got to hit that are aligned to the to the overall roadmap. Um, so I think, yes, definitely be, you don't have to take, say yes to everything because otherwise you'll end up, you know, filling a much smaller portion and probably diluting your service and your offering, whatever it might be. But also the ones that you are dealing with, it's just being very clear on what your rules of engagement are. Now that might be around terms, that might be around rebate, it might be around, you know, um, payment terms, it might be, as, as well as the percentage, but it might also be around communication, uh, momentum, uh, the, you know, the interview process, how how they engage with you as a, as a recruiter, because actually, you know, you could have somebody paying, obviously, I mean, this is, you know, an obvious statement, but you could have somebody paying 30%, but ultimately, if they're not going to engage with you in the way that you know you need in order to succeed, it, you, they literally may, be, may as well be paying you 0%, because that is what they're going to be paying you. So, yeah. so yes, turn work away but also just elevate yourself with the work that you are engaging with um, and get them to, to buy into that. And it's, you know, that's in their interest as well. So it's selling the benefits to them. So no, I, I, I totally agree with that. No, we're seeing that as well. We're seeing definitely a, a slightly increased average fee. And not just because the fee's higher because salaries are higher. Obviously that in itself elevates the fee, but also we're seeing a higher percentage. We're also interestingly trying to re-engage with a lot of older customers um, that maybe we haven't worked with since COVID. And when we're re-engaging with them, we're trying to actually have a slightly higher recruitment percentage working with them as well. And yeah. that's been interesting. Some have told us to get lost, as you would expect, but others have actually been very um considerate of the fact that they know that the costs of recruiting are higher now therefore it's not unreasonable to put your prices up um, and we're finding with the with the juniors coming in they're more than happy to be pitching it at that sort of level as well um, have you used have you used recruiter insider as a bd tool and as a, a and as a 
or certainly the value that that gives and the insights that that gives. Have you have you used that as a leverage for for fee ne- for, for fee negotiation? We haven't used it yet for fee negotiation, but I could see how it would be a very powerful tool for doing it because obviously, if you can demonstrate um, the a, an enterprise um, you know kind of score for uh, attracting candidates a good customer service um, or any of those kind of metrics, then of course it's going to grab attention for any prospective customers as well. So I think it's going to be a very useful tool for doing that. Um, But I think the rest of it is also, as we mentioned before, it's, you know, kind of having that sort of social, um, you know, kind of visibility, if you like, so that when customers do, do go and check you out, whether it's on your website, whether it's through LinkedIn, looking at the communities that you've got, you know, it is going to be because I think businesses now almost like our, you know, sort of more younger consultants, they almost want that instant gratification when they're looking to partner with customers. They want to see that that customer is credible, visible and, you know, kind of available. And I think if you can kind of demonstrate those areas as well as being, you know, a considerate recruiter, then I think you've got a good chance then of winning new bits of business. Um, but it's a bit like everything, isn't it? When one of the issues that we have is, you know, sometimes you spend so much time looking for the new shiny work that you actually forget to actually focus on exactly what it is that is generating you the revenue. Um, so it's kind of like trying to educate your consultants that actually you kind of need a mixture of everything. You need to have spin you, your barrel, really. Yeah. Have you got Have you got a clear client strategy that you roll out through the business and uh, you know that that's kind of linked to business development and how because how, we've been really bad at being having a clear structure around this historically we yeah. do have one now and we've got very clear kind of you know clients that we want to develop into accounts but you know as well as kind of spot spot business but have you are you organized and well like that or and and, and how yeah. are the team engaging with bd really good question so before COVID, I'd say no, we didn't. Um, but what what that time away um, gave us the opportunity to do was to absolutely drill down into who our customers were, you know, across spend, across sector, across technology. So now what we've done is we we've we have like because business development. I know a lot of people. It's a it's a blessing and a curse, isn't it? You know, when we've got new consultants it's almost too much to take in. Oh my God, I've got to do business development. So what we've tried to do with it as part of our strategy is to break it down into like incremental pieces, a bit like a jigsaw. So, you know, we've got that business development, which is actually really just refreshing the current customers, making sure you're working with them, making sure you're working across them. And we've had quite a lot of success with that. It's also turning your previous candidates um, and contacts into sponsoring you into their workplaces. So, you know, that in itself isn't a big, scary animal when you know you've already dealt with those people before. Um, Then you've got your lead, you know, your lead checking. And that's where these tools come in really, really useful as well in terms of being able to sell in. So so I must confess, though, it's probably our biggest weakness as a business is generating new business as opposed to actually just expanding our current business. And we have found as well is that when people are working from home, going on to one of our earlier conversations, it's very, very difficult to get people to do it because they get too easily distracted. So actually, the only way we get good business development sessions is we bring everybody in and we have set times and everybody does it. And because everything is, um, you know, is on Job Adder, which is our CRM, everybody knows how much they're doing. They know the success of it. 
And then there's almost that relief when they've done a couple of hours of it, but they know it's for the good of, of, of their own business as well as the good of the business. And we're just now starting to see some real positive, um, you know, kind of returns from having that more collaborative approach to doing BD because, yeah, do you find that similarly then? Well, we don't, so we don't do it on, I mean, historically we used to be like, right, let's do it to our BD, you know, like old school. Yeah, <laughs> ring the bell, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've never done that. I can't bring myself to do that. We've never um, had a bell, no. Yeah. Um, not to my knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, so do you KPI BD? We never used to. We do now, yes. Yeah. So we basically use something called one-up sales, which gamifies. So when we're in the office, there's a TV screen and you can see what people are doing in terms of inputs. Not so much outputs, but inputs. So everyone's got obviously a set amount of BD that they're expected to do. And the system will then tell you whether or not you've done the requisite amount or you've overdone or you've underdone or whatever. Now, we wouldn't chastise somebody for not necessarily hitting their KPI. So it could be any one of many reasons for not. But if there's a fundamental underlying cause for not doing BD, then it gives us the tools to be able to turn to that person and say, come on, you can see what everybody else is doing. You're not generating revenue from other sources. So do you not think it might be a good idea to actually get on board with this because you can see that it works? What do what what are the main blockers then for your guys? Mentality, I think, yeah. <laughs> more than anything else. I think there's fear. And because a lot of fear our customers of now, sorry. Fear of fear of what? Well, I think it's it's the fear of failure. And again, it comes back to that instant gratification. I think when we used to do um, BD, we just spent a whole morning being told no. And you just said, okay, that's fine. You move on to the next one. These yeah. days, if someone's told no, they think, oh my God, I must have offended them. So therefore I'm not going to ask them again. So it, you almost have to be really clever about the way that you prepare to do it. And one of the things that we try and do, although we have limited success, is make sure that everybody has their own story. Because ultimately, you know, we're Applause IT, but if somebody's buying from us, they're not buying from Applause IT, they're buying from that consultant. Yeah. So they have to know what that consultant's story is. You know, they want a specialist, they want somebody who understands their community of candidates but they really want to engage with somebody who can solve their problem. So we try and get everybody to sit down and work out a story because if we just say, here's a list of clients, go and talk to them and they haven't prepared, then we're setting them up to fail. Let's be honest, especially these days, because, you know, most people hide behind the fact that they're not there because they're working from home or they won't give out the mobile or they won't give out an email address. So I think you have to be very, very smart about how you prepare to do it. So I think almost a few minutes of stepping out of your own business and thinking about how you're going to prepare for that day, it pays absolute dividends. And of course, these tools really help if yeah. you get tips for them. Yeah, I mean, my, my view is that I, I think the main blocker, when I was kind of reflecting on this, I think the main blocker is a fear of rejection or ridicule. I think that that's what stops people doing it, taking any leap, I think. Mm -hmm. And... I, I think that there's real value in promoting failure as success. Like you have to, you have to do that because of course, 
you're not going to win every single time. Like that's that, and that's absolutely fine. You know, we, we, you know, you kind of need that. And I think that there's an that there is an opportunity to reframe what BD is, what BD means. So BD isn't picking up the. I mean, I, I am old, but I was literally given the yellow pages when I started in recruitment. And was like, yeah. I did legal recruitment, and they yellow were like, pages look up or roller decks, yeah, look absolutely, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd still have one if I could, you know we shared a computer and um and they literally said right you do legal recruitment look up law firms go to l look up law firms start calling i don't not not that, that necessarily came easily to me but it was fine and it was expected that you weren't going to get loads but you just did it and that was that was fine because you'd get something once you'd called 100 people so now i'm not saying that we want to go back to that practice but i think actually that mentality of mm. Um, you know, it's fine that nobody wants to talk to you. But also, I think it's redefining or realigning. Actually, BD is also every single call you have of a day to a candidate or a client. They don't have to be, brand, you know, they don't have to be cold. You can get something, you can get a lead out of every single person that you speak to throughout the day. And that yeah. is BD. So you almost, what we're trying to do is almost take away that BD session Mm -hmm. and just build it into everyone's mo so that's you know that that's that's how we try to to overcome that now that said we're not tracking it as a as a kpi and we're not tracking lead gen as a kpi which i really want to largely because i want the leads on the system so that we've got them as mm -hmm. opposed to you know you know i'll always do quality over quantity but but I, so i think it's that i think it's that people are worried about being rejected it's like no no, no that's fine People yeah, and I think also it's everyone's selling, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're in IT, everybody is selling a service. So you're not like the big, bad, ugly recruiter. <laughs> I think also, though, it's interesting. We, we, we sat down and thought about this and we hire only we only hire graduates. So we only hire people that have no baggage because I must confess, it's just my own personal opinion. You know, for our sector, taking on people that have failed in IT recruitment somewhere else is almost a recipe that they're going to come in and fail if they work for you as well, unless they've got a very good reason to, to maybe them moving location for their wife or husband mm -hmm. or whatever. But so we only hire graduates. And most of the graduates we hire have only had success in everything they've done so far. They've done a good degree. Um, they've done a maybe a, they maybe they're sports oriented or they've had success in their personal life. So they're not used to failing anything. I was and I think say, that's so probably they, what the problem is. Yeah, have they got the resilience? And when we're looking at the next 12, 20 months coming up, yeah. I was chatting to the, my um, head of people last week and I was saying I really want we need to be building in some sessions around resilience. And the, training is the key. Absolutely. So we did. So um, one of our directors has just done a training pitch to everybody yesterday about their elevated pitch for BD and a collaborative effort as well. So it's more of a case that everybody came out of that going, oh, that's really good. I hadn't thought of that. Some people had a refresher. Some people hadn't heard it before. But then the key then is putting that, you know, kind of theory into practice. And you're absolutely right, Sarah. I've got exactly the same mantra. I love it when people fail and they're really proud that they failed in something. If they then turn around and say, do you know what? I tried it again and it worked. <laughs> you know, so they learned from it. I know James Osborne would be proud. He always talks about the uh, the getting up and the resilience around, you know, the fear of failure. But it is so, so true. And I think 
it's very difficult when you're recruiting, particularly for graduates, to test whether or not they've got the fixed skin, you know, and I think you only know really when somebody's been in the job for six months minimum, uh, whether or not they're going to be able to actually handle that part of the job. It's why we've moved from a model of having an academy where they would do all the theory and then do the practice to a model now where they literally uh, shadow or mentored by an existing consultant and they're thrown straight in. Because I think for the right person, doing that level of business development is still fascinating. But I don't think enough people now have that inquisitiveness that I think different generations had in terms of being able to ask the right questions. So it all comes down to training, I think, um, and then realizing whether or not somebody's right for the job. And I know it's a big thing for the next 12 to 18 months. Everyone talks about um, compatibility statements. Is a job compatible for the person? And I think maybe we're going to enter an era where you'll look at your guys and go, actually, not only are you right for the job, but is the job right for you? And if the job isn't right for you, almost encourage them to go and do something else. Because I think then you get a really good subset of consultants who actually enjoy all the components of the job. They enjoy the fear of failure. They enjoy, obviously, dealing with the candidates. They enjoy the data science stuff, the tech stuff. And then, you know, we always find then that good consultants who enjoy it are, are much more likely to, you know, do really, really well with you. Yeah, absolutely. Or... Seg, you know cut up your delivery model to suit the different skills because there are very few people that want to come in and do and are brilliant at everything there are some people that love the grunt work of finding the candidates and some people that love you know that they've been on the phone and closing the deal so and that's something that we've done is really looking at let's look at all the competencies within every part of the recruitment cycle and do we chunk some of this up to to create different types of roles so that's no, interesting lots mm. of shared Lots of shared um, experiences, I think. and No, uh, you, the insights that you've given, Sarah, are fascinating. And it, it shows, doesn't it, that there's a lot of cross-compatibility across different sectors because mm. I, it sounds as if the challenges that you're facing now and looking forward to facing are very, very similar to what we're facing in, in, in the world of IT recruitment as well. And uh, But it sounds as if we've both putting in I think am I right in saying that the key really is just having a very good strategy a clear strategy and a vision that you can share with your guys in the workplace and as long as everybody understands what you want to achieve you know it gives you a good chance of actually getting there yeah makes decisions easier brilliant okay well well, it's, been nice, it's been nice meeting you finally <laughs> and i'm loving the reef as well i was gonna say obviously getting ready for christmas already in the background you know what that's actually a summer that's actually a summer reef that was on the front oh door. really oh sorry yeah, but the hook <laughs> fell off about three months ago and i keep meaning to put it up in the attic <laughs> <laughs> so shall i stop recording now hang on